0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. The last part that we were discussing yesterday, I'll just reread that. Very important points in there. Dear friends, practice on this prescription of abstaining from lustful glances and see the effects for yourself. The heart will experience such sweetness of iman that as a result. The value for the kingdoms of the seven continents will perish from one's heart. Allama Abu al-Qasim Qashiri, rahmatullahi alayhi, writes in the Risala Qashiriyah that by the injunction of guarding the gaze, Allah Taala has taken away the pleasure of the eyes, but in return he has granted the non-perishable sweetness of iman. Mullah Ali Qari, rahmatullahi alayhi, writes, وَقَدْ وَرَدَ أَنَّ حَلَاوَةَ الْإِمَانِ إِذَا دَخَلَتْ قَلْبًا لَا تَخْرُجُ مِنْهُ أَبَدًا That it has been narrated that once the sweetness of Iman enters the heart, it never leaves it. Mullah Ali Qari Rahmatullah Ali further comments upon the statement and declares, فَفِيهِ إِشَارَةٌ إِلَىٰ بَشَارَةِ حَسْنِ الْخَاتِمَةِ In this is the indication towards the glad tidings of death upon Iman. The reason for this is obvious, since when Iman will never leave the heart after having entered, death will also come upon Iman. In other words, the sweetness of Iman, when this has entered the heart, it won't leave. So then Iman will stay and death will come upon Iman. Thus, protecting the gaze is a guarantee for death upon Iman. Friends, nowadays, this great wealth of gaining death on Iman is being distributed in the bazaars, at airports and stations. Protect the gaze in these places and gather the treasure of the sweetness of Iman these places as discussed yesterday uh unfortunately the environments are very very negative but this is because these are type of places which a person sometimes just cannot avoid now he has to travel somewhere so he's going to end up at a a station he's going to end up on a bus on a train at an airport but this doesn't mean that a person deliberately without any reason takes himself to such an environment which is not conducive And says, well, I'm going to try and, I'm going to such a place just in order to now gather the treasure of the sweetness of Iman. No, a person doesn't deliberately put himself in such places. So without need, for example, a person, there's a need for him to go and, because that's the only place that is available, all his work is involved there, whatever the situation might be, he has to go into a shopping mall for that matter. Now, if that has become something unavoidable, for whatever the reason might be, then he'll go. But when he goes, he'll have to obviously take full care, guard his gaze, protect his heart, keep himself engaged in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, keep his heart engaged in istighfar. Because it's well known beforehand that what is the kind of environment in such a place. So to start off with, without need, he won't venture anywhere near. Because the nature of the place is known. It's not a place for passing time. It's not a place for just going and sightseeing, because it's going to affect his iman. But out of necessity, if he has to go, then he will do what is necessary in terms of protecting himself and guarding himself. Therefore, the, hence acquire the guarantee of death of iman in these places. Therefore. I say that if in these times there is an excess of nudity and shamelessness, there is also an abundance of the sweetness of Iman. Protect the gaze and partake of the halwa, the sweet of Iman. Then the fourth action, the first three actions have now been discussed. The first was the aspect of the beard, the second was the not allowing the garments to hang <coughs> on the ankles, and cover the ankles and the third was the gaze now the fourth action these are the four actions to acquire the friendship of Allah Ta'ala protecting the heart together with protecting the gaze it is also necessary to protect the heart some people protect the gaze of the eyes but do not protect the gaze of the heart this means that they protect the eyes from casting lustful glances but they do not protect the heart from thinking of beautiful faces. By means of such thoughts and imaginations, they derive haram pleasure. One should understand well that this is also haram. Allah Taala declares, "Ya inat al sudur." Allah Taala knows the deception of the eyes and the secrets of the hearts. And these two things are mentioned side by side in this ayat: the deception of the eyes. And the secrets of the heart. This is again the same point that was discussed previously. That because of the direct link. Between the eyes and the heart. What the eyes see. The heart registers. And it absorbs. So now if the eyes are going to be seeing haram. The heart is going to be drenched in that haram. It's going to be drowning in that haram. So therefore Allah Ta'ala is warning us. That Allah Ta'ala knows the deception of the eyes. Why this word deception is being used. One is that whatever haram a person does, that is a kind of deception because he's supposed to be loyal to Allah Ta'ala. Now he is doing something which Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. It's a kind of deception in that sense. But apart from that, the person sometimes would be appearing to keep his gaze guarded, but he's stealing some glance in some way that he's trying to derive the haram pleasure but not be witnessed and noticed by anybody so now in various ways in various schemes and ways the person is trying to do this or he's appearing to be watching or reading something very innocent on his phone but in the meantime he's got something behind the scenes carrying on at the same time all these deceptions allah taala is therefore saying a'yun wa ma sudur and what the hearts conceal that to allah taala knows very well Allah Ta'ala is aware of the haram pleasure that you derive in your heart. One Buzruk states, Choria ankhro ki or sino ke raaz. Janta hai sabku tu e beniaz." The deceptions of the eyes and the secrets of the hearts, You are all aware of the, all aware of it, oh the most independent one. It is not sinful if the previous sins come to mind. Rather, it is sinful to bring these thoughts to mind. In other words, the involuntary thoughts, up to the point that it's involuntary, that a person is not accountable for, but to bring it to mind, that is the sin. If an evil thought comes to mind, one will not be taken to task for it. However, when an evil thought comes, it is haram to thereafter entertain that thought by thinking further about it or to deliberately think of past sins and derive pleasure from it, or to plot committing a sin in the future. These aspects will incur the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala. The mind and the heart, these are very, very great bounties of Allah Ta'ala. And just as a person has to train to strengthen himself physically, He undertakes all kinds of training and people spend sometimes hours on training physically. So likewise, there's a need to train the heart and mind. So to train the body, person spends time, gives it dedicated time. People wake up early in the morning to go to the gym. That's another whole issue itself, that what kind of environment exists in that place. That one is that a place where everything is totally above board, there is no music being played there, there is no intermingling of any sorts, the people that are there are dressed appropriately, then with all these conditions are fulfilled, then too we'll say it's not the ideal situation, but it's fine, permissible. But walla whether or if how many such places do exist? By and large, there will be all kinds of things that are completely against the dictates of haya and modesty and shame and what are the requirements of deen. So many commands of Allah Ta'ala are just being blatantly broken there. A person is going for his physical fitness there. He's going to build his body. Now he's going to build his body and in the process he's destroying his soul. The body, the body is going to that's, that's something that's just going to be till the grave. And the soul has to carry on. So, this effort to now build the body, so much of effort, so much of time, all this is being done for the sake of the body, but now taking the body to be way in a place that's going to destroy the soul. When a person leaves such an environment, will his iman be on the same level? Will he come out with his Iman energized? Or will it be even on the level that it was in, when he went in? So, does this make sense for a person who is conscious about trying to progress in deen, somebody who wants to get closer to Allah Ta'ala, somebody who wants to try and avoid falling into haram and vice, just doesn't fit in any way. If a person is so eager to now strengthen himself, etc., By all means, and there should be some kind of exercise that a person undertakes to keep himself fit, this too is necessary, but in the confines of one's home, in a way that doesn't affect anything, these are things that can easily be done, people are doing it, yet in this situation people go and spend so much of money to build the body and destroy the soul. They are paying to destroy the soul, so this is a very, very important aspect to bear in mind that we don't involve ourselves in this kind of environments. As mentioned, one is out of sheer necessity. A person ended up somewhere because he had to go there. There was no way out. But these places are not that we can not avoid being there. We can easily avoid being there. In any case, the issue was the, we're talking about the training of the heart and mind. Just as the body is trained, when it's trained, it can then undertake what it couldn't undertake previously. The person who hadn't trained yet, so he can't pick up that 50 kilos, he can't pick up 20 kilos easily. But after the training, now he can pick up that 100 kilos without difficulty. So what's the difference? The difference is the training. But that didn't happen in just one day. <coughs> there was a lot of effort behind it and a lot of sweating behind it. Then finally the day came. So we took the time to train our physical selves how much of time have we given how much of attention have we paid to train our heart and mind to do the right things to think in the right way so how does this heart and mind get trained this is the muraqabas (coughs) the various muraqabas that are taught the meditations that are prescribed this trains the heart to think correctly To engage in the right manner at the right time or as per the need to engage in what kind of thoughts? because that won't happen just without the training. A person has been training regularly to run. Now he's training regularly, he's doing physical exercises whatever and he's jogging every day and now one day while on the road he's walking somewhere and a dog suddenly starts chasing him. He's been training every day it doesn't take any effort for him to just run out of sight of that dog. Why? Because he's he's trained, he's foot. But he hasn't been training at all, he's very, very lethargic and unfit. Now that dog suddenly out of the blue disappeared, he'll freeze, let alone walk. He used to walk easily, he couldn't run, but now with that one bark he'll freeze and he doesn't doesn't know what to do, how to react the person who has trained very well in all kinds of martial arts and whatever else, Allah forbid that suddenly he is confronted by somebody who is trying to rob him or attack him. Because he's so well trained, in a split second before that person could make any move, he has already done what he had to do. Now that person didn't know who he is confronting, that this person is a martial art expert, whatever the case is. So, What, what brought that instant reaction? One person, has happened to him, He will just explain his incident that he entered one lift in one building, he had to go for some work. As he entered the lift, high rise building, and somebody else entered the lift as well. He didn't think anything about it, but as the doors closed, suddenly this person took out a knife, And now he wants to rob him, but now this person was a very highly trained person in martial arts. So, this person picked the wrong target. He didn't realize that now what he's in for. So he sees that this fellow pulled the knife out. But now he was quite casual about it. He took the knife out. Well, he's now in this confined lift. This person can't run anywhere. And now all he has to do is wait for him to start offloading his pockets. But he says before this person even realized what happened, he attacked him in such a way that all he knows is he's slumped on the floor. and The lift door was open. He walked out. He doesn't know what happened after that. So in that instant, he reacted. Why? Because he was trained. But the person who's untrained, who's never had any kind of training in this regard, now from a distance also, he just see somebody now walking towards him menacingly, he already is freezing. He doesn't know which way to turn. Forget about trying to defend himself, he doesn't even have that, that, that courage, he's going to even run. So that's all we understand very well in terms of our physical selves and protecting ourselves, etc. But now the same thing applies to our mind. When a person has trained his heart and mind by means of these muraqabas, then on the occasion, like he needs to run from that dog, he'll be able to run from that dog of shaitan when it's trying to attack him. Because he's been making the... He's been training his heart and mind with that... But now, just as there was lot of time spent, lot of effort behind that training, lot of money spent also. All this was done for the sake of training the self. So now this muraqaba, for example, that the person has strengthened the muraqaba daily, he's thinking of as we have been discussing every night, meditating on death. So now he's giving it time, dedicated time, and doing it in a very uh, proper manner. Now this develops strengthens in the heart because it's being done daily. Now he's imagining himself being lowered in the grave. He's imagining that ghusel taking place to him. He's imagining himself being questioned in the grave. Being standing on the day of kiyamah and being asked those questions about how he spent his life. Now over time, his last moments of life he's been meditating upon. Now suddenly shaitan suddenly comes and tries to tempt him towards some haram. <coughs> so now he's walking on the road and his eyes are being tempted towards some haram. So it becomes a very, very easy thing for him to just turn his mind towards this meditation again. In one second he'll do it. Why? Because the heart has been trained to do it. Otherwise he heard about it. He heard all the virtues about it. He heard how it should be done as well. But when the situation comes up, then he will remember after the he's fallen into the problem. After he's already caused the problem and done the harm, then later on he remembers remember, well, I had heard about this, and I should have done that. And if perchance he does remember as well, but the heart is not accustomed to it. It wasn't been doing it daily. Now he remembered, I should do it, but the, it's like a person heard about training, but he didn't train. He doesn't have the strength to run. So Now he's becoming conscious of it, but the spiritual strength is not there to undertake it now, because the temptation is so strong, and this is so weak. So he just gives in to that despite knowing that this is what I should be doing now, I should be running from this, but he runs with it. So that haram thought came in the mind, that first part of the thought was involuntary. Involuntary thought he is not accountable for. But now that was the time to run. If he trained his heart and mind with these muraqabas, the muraqaba of death, the muraqaba of akhirat, even the muraqaba of shukr. That a person who consciously, daily, and all these muraqabahs at different times of the day, person spends two, three minutes making the muraqabah of moth at another time of the day. And as mentioned, a lot of these things can easily be done before or after a salah. We just couple it. Morning after certain salah, I'm going to make two minutes muraqabah of moth. After Zohar salah, two minutes muraqabah of shukr. After certain salah, I'm going to complete this tasbihat. Very easily a lot gets done in the two minutes, three minutes at a time. There's muraqaba of shukr That a person sits and ponders, meditates, not just in a haphazard manner, in a very structured manner. Meditates upon all the namat of Allah. So now we're talking about the temptations of shaitan. So now a person who has been making shukr very, very deeply, daily. Ya Allah, you bless me with these eyes. اللهم لَكَ الْحَمْدُ وَلَكَ Ya Allah, this is purely your na'mad. If you hadn't granted me these eyes, what a dark world I would have been living in. Ya Allah, what a tremendously great na'mad this is. Now, together with that, Ya Allah, this ears, your blessing, your bounty. If I didn't have these ears, how I would have been living? What a difficult life. Alhamdulillah, repeatedly from the depth of the heart. Alhamdulillah. And similarly, all the other various faculties that Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with, uh, the person who has been doing this very, very diligently and deeply daily, uh, he's become so conscious, Allah Ta'ala's Na'mat, Allah Ta'ala's bounty, Allah Ta'ala's great favour, and Allah Ta'ala has that qudrat to take it away in one moment. So now when he's tempted towards haram, if this muraqaba of shukr is strong, it's deep down in the heart then very easily the heart will flip towards this. It's like turning a page now. The one page is something else. He's just turning it over. I don't want to be on that page. Why? Because this is strong. This is there in his heart. This is my, this is my Allah's gift. Can I imagine myself that somebody blessed me with a, gave me a nice hathiyah. They gave me one very nice, uh, maybe one kurta or something. And now that person comes past and he sees me using that kurta, went all the way for Umrah, for Hajj, and he bought that kurta and came for me. And now he comes past and he sees I'm using that kurta as a cloth to now shine the wheels of my car. I'm using it to shine my shoes. Can I imagine myself doing something like that? Or if somebody, I gave the person that gift and I'm going past and seeing him, this is how he's using it. person gave somebody one beautiful bowl, very expensive crystal glass or whatever the case might be, really expensive bowl, and now one day he passes by that person's house, he sees he's got a kennel there, that bowl is for the dog, and the dog has already messed into it also. So, will he be in any way happy about this? Will he feel good about it? that I took all the care to bring this gift for this person, such an expensive gift, and with such muhabbat I gave it to, and this is his appreciation, now the person who thinks about these things in this manner and not just once in a while but in a dedicated manner now when shaitan is tempting him to misuse those eyes and this will come strongly to mind that my rubs gift this is and the whole world put together if a child is born allah ta'ala protect us and allah ta'ala give Afiat to anybody who is born blind but if a child is born blind that the whole world's physicians doctors specialists everyone and anybody can get together but they can't give that child that eye. Whole world can come together. They can spend all the resources of the world. They can spend every cent and every dollar and every pound and spend all the gold mines, but they can't give that child that eye. This is how valuable this gift is. So now the person who's thinking about these things regularly, when that temptation is coming, to now misuse that gaze, this muraqaba of shukr that he's been training his heart and mind to think of regularly. That training now will come to his help. And now this will, inshallah, come strongly and become a barrier between him and that sin. Because there will be a sense of shame now. There will be a sense of embarrassment. How can I do this? Allah is watching. You. And I'm going to misuse this gift of his in this manner. So just as we train ourselves physically, this physical training more important than that is the spiritual training. Just as we train our bodies, more important than that is to train our hearts, to train our minds, to think correctly, to think in the right direction. And a lot, this is just one angle to it, these are other aspects that have come in already by the way, but just on the note of training the mind, the person who keeps training his mind to think positively, keeps training his mind repeatedly and this is again like any training it doesn't happen by wish it happens by training the body has to happen by training it's not a one-day job people train for years on end so this training has to happen that a person has to repeatedly force himself to think positively he has to keep working out ways to bring out the positive positive. and when you will keep doing this life will become very easy to love Life is filled with all kinds of challenges, all kinds of negatives, as well will come sometimes. Allah Taala protect us and keep us in afiyat, but this is life, this is dunya. But when a person has learned to channel that thinking correctly, and keep looking for a positive in every negative, then, inshallah, he will find life very easy to live. He won't be overwhelmed by situations. Abu Usman Shiri a very great, pious person. Imam Ghazali rahmatullahi, writes <laughs> his incident in Heaul Uloom, says this person was walking and it was now his clean clothes, washed well and he's walking somewhere and somebody from the upper story, from a double story house now from the upper level, the person just from the balcony just offloaded the ash. Now people those days the fireplace whatever so that ash or the cooking ash so now that ash had to be offloaded somewhere every day now it has to be offloaded in a responsible manner this person without any care just offloaded out of the window out of that balcony that it drop down now down on the road he's walking past and as he's walking past ash falls on him and ash is ash now it soils his clothes dirties him and probably hurt him too so he Very calmly said, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Can we imagine we passing somewhere and forget some ash, some dust, somebody just was sweeping carelessly, and the dust came on us. So would we say, Alhamdulillah. How we'll react? That person will have to recite, Inna Lillah. (laughs) So he said, Alhamdulillah. So those who were with him, somebody was with him, they asked him, is this occasion for Alhamdulillah, the person threw ash on you? He says, no, I didn't say Alhamdulillah because ash fell on me. That is obviously a musibat, so that requires Inna lillah. but I wasn't referring to that. Immediately I reflected that I'm such a person that I was deserving of fire falling on me. Allah Ta'ala saved me from that. Fire didn't come. It was only ash. I said Alhamdulillah on the fact that fire didn't rain upon me. Now can you imagine in that one instant and such a such a provocative situation, it really provoked a person's anger, can provoke a person to do things, say things. But in that one instant, instantly, instantly his mind turned in this direction. It happened just like that. It happened without the mind being trained to do that, without going through processes. No, no, there was a process. It was built over time. But it was built over time. Now how easy life became for him. That yes, it's a it's a problem. Now he has to go and clean his clothes, whatever. he would still have to do that in any case. But if he reacted in a different way, whatever that person did was wrong, 100 percent wrong. But if he reacted differently, don't know where that would have escalated. Now he, for example, now, stopped there to start fighting with that person. You don't know what kind of temperament that person has. Number one, he did the wrong, and then he'll try to start justifying his wrong. That you should watch where you're walking. Now he'll find some kind of excuse, and then he'll want to now escalate that fight. So now, the, what was the end result? The end result was that the whole peace of the mind is now disturbed. You are in the right, 100% right. The other person is in the wrong. wrong. But the end result, and often these people who are careless in these kind of things, who don't bother what they do, what they say, the situation more often than not is that they do whatever they want, say whatever they want, and don't remember anything after that. Don't bother about it. They forget it and carry on like nothing happens. And the person who was the innocent party, he now is burdened with this whole issue and incident, but now the whole piece of the heart is now disturbed. That person forgot about it, he is gone, let nothing happen, though he is 100% wrong. But this person now, now his mind is so disturbed over what happened, because now this fight got escalated so high, that person started saying all kinds of vulgarities and all abuses, because he can't be bothered what he's doing. So now all that further disturbed the situation. Now this person's sleep is disturbed, he's eating, there's no taste left and let alone his sleep and eating, his salah is all now, in, his mind is all in disarray, so now he saved himself from all that. Yes, being human, there'll be some feeling, but because he turned his heart positively, that feeling which is human, he's not uh, just some inanimate object, that feeling which is human will very quickly be swept away. Because something else has come in place, the heart and mind can't focus on two things at one time. Now when the heart has been deliberately focused on something positive, that negative feeling can't remain for long. <coughs> he's there, he's human, that pain is not... Pain is part of human nature, emotional pain is also part of insan. But this positive thinking will take it away. And this is something that requires training, to keep thinking. When a person keeps thinking positively, trains himself to think positively, without difficulty inshallah he'll be able to find the positives in every negative. One person once came, this is the subject matter more related to the topic we're discussing before Zohar but nevertheless, one person came and he was complaining about all the issues from his wife and whatever and everything that keeps, he keeps being on the receiving end. So any case, one time, two times, five times, same story is carrying on. Now there's only certain things that you can advise a person. Much of it is not in anyone's control now. If the other party is not ready to acknowledge that these are my wrongs, and I should now change this, there's a state of denial on the other side. So now it's a very difficult situation. It's complicated and difficult, obviously. There is no button to press that will just go away. In any case, this was carrying on. One day again, the same complaint. At that time, Allah, Allah put something in the mind. I said, look, what you attend the programs, etc., you come and make mashura, what's your objective? Said, my objective is my Islam. I want to make my Islam. Very well, if this is your objective, one of the very essential things about this Islam is to develop this humility. The tawazu. And previously people used to go to the khanqas and used to be put through very strenuous exercises of all kinds. We've discussed some of these things on previous occasions. What kind of things person is being put through. He's coming from a kind of royal family. That kind of setup so to say. And now he's being made to clean the drains. He's never done that in his life. He's never you, held a broom in his life. Now he's come for his Islam. You're just keeping the keep and all the muck and open uh, sewers, you keep cleaning all this. Now, can you imagine what it does to a person inside? And then a person is being put through tests as well. That now as the time is passing, the person who is responsible for cleaning the buckets, toilets, that when you're passing by this person, you brush past him. That was like the worst insult for the person. And his reaction. And now his reaction, the anger with which he reacted, says, no, no, this is still undone. There's more cooking to do. Let him carry on. After some time, the instruction is given to the person again. Today when you're taking those buckets and moving, then you make sure you pass by, close by him and pull a little on him. Can we imagine this whole scene? And a person coming from a very, very kind of royal background. And then this time again the reaction is very much subdued compared to the first time. But there is still some reaction. And then the person is told that after some time again, let him carry on. No wazifa, no other ma'amulat, your full time job is this. You've come for your Islam. And after some time the person is told today, you just pretend to trip and let everything fall on him. But when that happened eventually, but by that time, this training over time, and this isla had been achieved. But that happened that this whole mess was thrown on him. In the pretense of falling, because this was now a test. But his immediate reaction, he quickly woke up to now, help this person. Did you fall? Did you get hurt? Are you sure you're okay? And no reaction about himself. Previously people went through all these kind of things to achieve that Islam. All that samana now is past. The time people don't have that capacity. We don't have any part of that capacity to undergo all this but now you are still desirous of your Islam, so now you just change your mindset. Not that this is good that this is happening, but till this doesn't stop, you're going to make an effort to change it, the tali must take place at home, various other amal should continue, whatever else has to happen, whatever somehow of trying to make that Islam of the wife as well, all those efforts must continue, but until such time that that is achieved, you change your mindset. What's your mindset? That all this is my Islam. No? This is my Kanka. But Don't ever tell her she's the chef. <laughs> this is my now, And all this is happening for my Islam. But am I going to take it correctly? Am I going to be responding positively? When I'm being told all those hurtful things, am I going to keep quiet and say this is my Islam? But the person who made that his mindset. After some time the person came back, he said, nothing changed, but I'm feeling much calmer. I'm very much more at ease. Why? Because the whole mindset changed, so he's taking it differently. So now when he's taking it differently, the person, when the doctor is giving an injection, it pains, but he doesn't feel negative about that pain. He feels the pain, but emotionally he's, he's in fact happy about that pain. Because he sees the relief after that pain. His mind has registered that this pain is associated with relief. So that injection physically pains him, but emotionally comforts him. So likewise, if a person has changed his mindset. So pain is pain. Somebody says something hurtful, it will hurt. But if he has the right mindset, that will mask it. That will mask the pain, and it will just—he'll take out a positive out of it. But all this requires the training of the mind and heart. It requires to channel the mind correctly, and in this way, inshallah, life becomes very much easier to live. A person passes through situations without difficulty. Allah Taala give us the tawfiq. Allah Taala blesses and inspires to do what is most pleasing to Him at all times. Wa